Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Razorback fans? Welcome to the Friday HTP Show. I'm Ty Hudson, and on behalf of everyone here at the HTP, thanks for downloading and listening to our show. We hope you enjoy. If you did, feel free to rate and review the podcast. Woo, Pig Suey. Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. Max's can help you with a wide range of mechanical and electrical repairs, whether it is basic maintenance or a complete engine replacement. For all your general auto repair needs, call Max and his crew at 870-942-4612. That's 870-942-4612. What's going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the one and only Hog Talk podcast. Alongside me today, Kyle Sutherland. How are you doing, my friend? Got my toilet paper, got all my necessities, water, milk, bread. So I am confined to my quarantine apartment. Did you did you have to wait in line for your bread and toilet paper? Is it is it full on like Venezuela? It feels like it's full on Venezuela up in here. Like it's just uh complete uh, chaos out there and that's the way it is too i didn't think it was happening here in springdale yet i go down to walmart right down the road from our house and they're out of everything paper everything and i'm like look go over to the t-shirt aisle all right i'm sure there's some texas longhorn shirt or something you could just use that as toilet paper i mean we've seen that we've seen that meme on facebook already and there might be a good point to it anything anything can be toilet paper just so long as it doesn't have a hog on it. That's just the way I live my life. But knock my mind. I just wouldn't flush that down the toilet. I would just throw that in the trash and take it out. I would well, not recommend flushing that. It's what you do with it anyways, though. You'd light it on fire anyway, so it's just a good uh, good accelerant there for your fire. Sure. Um, my goodness, what a crazy week. As we were recording our first our first take on the, on the Hog Dog podcast, uh, we had to start over because – I messed up, so we're, we had to start over. In between that, we come to find out that everything's getting canceled, Kyle. Um, you want to break that news? Well, I say break that news. By the time they hear this, they're already going to know. But if you want to you want to enlighten us on that. Yeah, any, anybody that at this point, of course, as you will be listening to this, it will be Friday morning or sometime uh, after Friday, whenever it is you may be tuning in. But the, the NCAA tournament, we already knew this morning, that the SEC champ tournament and all those other tournaments pretty much all over across the country are no longer being played. It was St. John's and Creighton that they called the game at halftime, said that all those tournaments are canceled. And as Ty said when we were recording first, the NCAA tournament and College World Series, which will not even be till this summer, has been canceled. So essentially all spring sports for college have been canceled. And I understand the whole safety measures behind this, but when you really think about it, it's it's extremely sad because oh. there there are guys that have worked their guys and girls that have worked their butts off their entire lives, not just this past off season, but their entire lives that 
might be fighting for spots in drafts. You look at guys like Mason Jones, guys like Isaiah Joe that are flirting with the NBA draft, and they're not going to have any more chance to to try to achieve that this year. And something else that I thought about, too, with baseball, this might be the end of Heston Kerstad, Casey Opitz, and Casey Martin in a Razorback uniform. Oh, don't and say that. Don't say it's that. It's devastating. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it is. And it's... Again, I understand the safety of the athletes, the safety of coaches, the safety of everybody involved is first and foremost the most important thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it as sport, not just sports content creators, but you know, Ty, you and I have have followed sports for a long time, just like the other two guys we have here, just like a lot of other content creators, like a lot of media members, and it's it has truly struck me in the gut personally. It's uh, it sucks because. All we really have left, it look we you know like you just said, the guys that have the most in this are the athletes and the coaches. There's no doubt about that. Our heart goes out to them. That's got to be devastating. Um, you know, I, I I was an athlete long, long, long time ago, twenty years ago. I know what it's like. I'm sure you do too, Kyle. I think you played sports in high school to work your rear end off for something, only to not get. To, you know, reap the benefits and the rewards and all the things that come along with it and playing with your friends and, and all that now being taken away from you because of this virus, it's got to be devastating. It has to just be devastating for these guys. Um, it sounds like to me that this is all kind of written in concrete. Like, this is it. Um, like you said, spring sports are, are over. What we have left as content creators, Hog Talk Podcast, um, you know, with with everything that we have left to do, with what I have left to do with the pig trail, it's all about spring football. And at this point, we've already heard Oregon canceled their spring scrimmage that was supposed to take place. So this sounds like it's probably going to drift into spring football. So now we may not have that red-white scrimmage. Um, when is that? End of next month, I think, is when I think it was supposed April to be April 25th, I, I believe. That, yeah. It could it could affect that, and it probably will. I don't know if the NCAA will allow them maybe to to do something in the summer to make up for it. I'm sh- I'm sure they will consider that, but all of a sudden, everybody's lives, not just sports, everybody's lives have been kind of turned upside down by this. Um, my God, if you're in the uh, if you work in 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 the uh, paper industries, toilet paper, paper towel industries, you are a rich. Overtime working SOB, I'll say that. Uh, they're probably doing okay, but everyone else is like panicking over all this stuff. And it's, I'm not going to get into whether or not, uh, you know, we posted on, on Facebook, on the Hog Talk Facebook about them canceling uh, the tournament. And, you know, people are talking about how it's just overblown. And maybe they're right. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a PhD in, in this stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever. You could try to. I, I've seen where people try to make sense of it on social media, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Um, but when they're saying that you need to cancel all this, you've got the CDC out here saying, like, okay, well, it's it's um, it's affecting a lot of people. Uh, the mortality rate is this and that. I'm going to start to kind of. I'm not going to complain. I'll say that with them doing this, it sucks for us. It hits us pretty hard too, as content creators, but. What can we do about it? You know, it's it just is what it is. We're gonna have to turn into I don't know the ba- a bachelor podcast <laughs> throughout the rest of the spring. You, Jacob, and Porter would have a blast with that. We just sat here and talked. I about would bachelor. love that. <laughs> I'd love it. 
Well, and I think this is the beginning of a domino effect. And I, I mean, I think that a lot of people probably feel that way. You think about, oh, I, I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter because there's so much breaking news as we're recording. And Greg yeah. Sankey, the SEC commissioner, told Feinbaum, I, I, he's kind of shocked that they're canceling World the World Series, which happens in what, late May, early June? Or, well, I guess early June, mid, mid-June, something like that. And it's already happening. Well, we don't know that it's going to go into that. So maybe they could have eventually take that back. Who knows? It's just right now all we have is assumptions. But with everything that's already been canceled, the MLB – or, well, the MLB has been suspended. And, of course, the NHL has been suspended. I think what's coming next is the Masters. Even though that with golf you can just not let the fans in and really just let – video crew and and caddies and the golfers themselves it's probably not as much of a risk but i think that's what's going to be next and when is it going to when are businesses going to start shutting down when that's that's the biggest thing it's it it could get to the point where and i and i I know that i'm starting a bunch of conspiracies here but with where we've started where will it stop that's the scariest part that's true that's true and yeah you're going you're starting to lean towards uh InfoWars, Alex Jones stuff here, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Not Alex Jones quite. <laughs> uh, they're turning the frogs gay. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> look, it's um, it's unfortunate. I, I You want to say we'll be all right? And I think we will. I'm not, I'm not one of these. My dad, my dad called me last night, and he's pretty religious. He was talking about the end times and all that, and I'm like, Dad, okay, pump the brakes. Hang on, hang on, okay? This, we've... We've survived far worse as a race uh, and as a as a species. We have we have survived far worse. Um, I think we're gonna be you know we're gonna weather this storm and then we'll come out of it maybe stronger. I don't know, with a really good immune system to uh, to to the coronavirus. So now you can splash back a couple of Corona beers and you're fine. I mean you know you're good. You're you're immune to the uh, to the effects of a Corona beverage. Not really a Corona fan, but. Um, you know, kind of an MGD guy myself, but on to sports. Uh, it's so hard to segue into anything right now because of all this stuff, all this, all the news that's breaking and everything that's going on. I mean, literally, as you said, we're sitting here recording, and it's like every two minutes we've got something, we've got something new popping up. Um, but yeah, every all spring sports canceled. It looks like, and uh, I've got a buddy of mine that works. Uh, he works for Sam's Club. And uh, he's he's pretty high up there at corporate. They have suspended uh, travel, and I mean that's kind of old news now. But th- that tells you just how serious this is. It is actually affecting people that I know, um, and I've also seen where they're starting to recommend that people work from home if they're able to. And then, like you said too, when does this start to? When do they start shutting down the businesses? And when does this really start to have, you know, an economic blowback? And and uh, it feels like we're leaning that way. I hope that we don't. So. Um, yeah, you got Clay Travis out here telling people it's all being overblown. Maybe he's right. Maybe he. Uh, maybe we're panicking for nothing and, and we're shutting down the doors for nothing. Like I said, I'm no doctor. I have no idea. But um, the numbers are pretty favorable, though. It seems like if you're if you're pretty young, you're you're okay. You're all right. So maybe you know, just take extra precaution. Maybe take a Germex bath every once in a while. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you'll be See, fine. That's what blows my mind about this, tie is that what you just mentioned right there is, is that people are just now, because of this, are starting to uh, wa- learn how to wash their hands. Isn't that scary? That, that's the, probably the 
scariest thing to me about this is like, look, man, when you go to the bathroom, I, I, I personally wash my hands every 30 to 45 minutes. Now, I haven't always been that way. Mm-hmm. Growing up, my mom used to always get mad at my dad and I because we were really bad about it. But as I started getting out in the working world and I realized just all of the nastiness, people wiping their nose with their hand and then touching a keyboard or a phone or whatever the case may be. Ugh. And that's just that's just common knowledge. You, you, you take time out of your day Every, I mean, even if it's every hour, you wash your hands with the amount of germs that you come into contact with, and that people are just now realizing that. <laughs> that's scary in itself. It's, in, it's ingrained in me. It really is. I worked fast food, and like, if you didn't wash your hands, and you had to do the twenty second rule, and you had to scrub in between your fingers, like it's back then though, it was common sense. It was like, well, yeah, no kidding. You know, you didn't need the sign in the bathroom wall that said employees must wash hands. Like, you knew that. Of course, you're talking about 1999. Now, all of a sudden, you've got these younger millennials that don't know their, you know, they, they, they don't understand basic uh, hygiene rules and, and how to take care of themselves. And they're, you know, piercing every open piece of skin they have on their bodies. And they're um, just a bunch of, bunch of crazy kids not washing their damn hands. Maybe that's who we need to blame. I'm kidding. Don't, don't do that. Don't go blaming people. Let's get into sports for just a minute. I know there's just not a whole lot to cover. We can cover this game that happened last night. I don't know what it even means at this point. Uh, Arkansas got the win. They won this sucker 86-73. to 13-point victory. And this, at one point, was... Uh, was a 20-something point lead. Uh, Vanderbilt, looking at their numbers really quick, Lee with 30 points. He was their leading scorer. And then uh, Pippen Jr. with 16 points. He had a pretty good game. Five of eight from the free throw line. Uh, six total rebounds. Three steals, two assists. And like I said, 16 points. He wasn't too far away from a double-double. Uh, Lee in the first half, Arkansas had an answer for him. And they were able to kind of contain him for a little bit. And then he started getting... You know, all these uh, free points at the free throw line. He was 11 of 13 there, and it it really helped chip away at that big Arkansas lead there in the first half. But they rotated. They had a lot of guys that played minutes. Um, They ended up rotating, I think, a full 10. Uh, Their leading scorer off the bench was right with with 10 points and uh, uh, four rebounds. So for them from the floor, these guys shot 38% from just from the floor. Three-point range, they were 25%, 24 Arkansas perimeter defense does its job once again. Uh, from the free throw line, 21 of 28. They shot 75%. Vanderbilt did there. So, um, yeah, I mean, what happened is exactly what we all saw happening here. I mean, Arkansas is just a better team. The first time these guys played, Arkansas smashed them pretty good. Looking at Arkansas's numbers, uh, Mason Jones, your leading scorer with 22 points. Isaiah Joe with 18. Uh, Mason Jones, once again, another fantastic game despite fouling out. Him and Isaiah Joe actually fouled out. All of Arkansas, it seemed like, seemed like everybody was in foul trouble. Witt had three. Uh, Seals off the bench had three. Uh, talking about the individual effort here, Seals off the bench with 20 points. Another outstanding performance for him in this the, 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 the last... I don't know, the, the end of the regular season and now this game, like it just goes to show you Seals continues to trend in the right direction. Uh, Ethan Henderson logged 16 minutes, didn't score, but he had zero fouls, uh, three rebounds, one offensive, two defensive uh, rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, Arkansas would turn the ball over a, a total of 13 times to Vanderbilt's 14. Um Arkansas shot 49% from the floor, 25 of 51, 12 of 28 from three-point range. That's pretty damn good. You're knocking down 12 three-point shots. You ought to be 
you should be doing some damage. You ought to be winning. Uh, but uh, they shot 43% there. And then from the free throw line, they're 24 of 31, 77%. So, obviously, Arkansas gets the win, I guess. Um, <laughs> Kyle, anything you want to add to this, to this performance? Uh, I want to say that Desi Sills, outside of Mason Jones, since February 1st, right around the time that Isaiah Joe had gotten injured or was really starting to slow down because of his knee, I think Desi is, is the MVP behind Mason Jones. What he's been able to do off the bench, he's shot over 50% from three during the last month or so. Yeah. And just that coming off the bench when you've had Adrio and Ethan Henderson, Mason Jones, and then Joe when he came back, and Jimmy Witt, and as Desi coming in as the sixth man, has really just been a key factor in them winning some games since the return of Isaiah Joe. Yeah. Seals has been, um, I think, really the last several games, he's only had maybe one game where he was just kind of off. It was really, yeah, he was bad against A&M. I think he only scored four points off of free throws and, and didn't hit a single three or from the field. Yeah. And that's going to happen, especially when you start to stand out on film and defenses realize, okay, here's another guy we got to worry about. He was 5 of 6 from three-point range. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty damn good. Isaiah Joe, 4 of 13. Mason Jones, 2 of 7. Uh, Mason Jones, as per usual, got a good chunk of his points from the free throw line. And look, that, that says just as much about Mason Jones' scoring ability as it does you know, forcing the foul, much like Isaiah Joe. Uh, boy, they're really good at that. And Seals, too. Seals, actually, at a, several times this year, has been really good about forcing fouls or, uh, you know, forcing uh, contact fouls. That's just something. I, I guess that's something Musselman has also brought to the table, along with, you know, the evolution of these players under, under Musselman. That's just one of the other things under his umbrella of things that they have improved on. It's drawing fouls. And, it seems like just about everyone really wit at times. I mean, he was 4-4 from the free throw line. I think there were a couple of times in that game, or not this game, but uh, maybe it was A&M. I can't remember. But where he, would, he wouldn't really drive the lane, but he would, he would, he would kind of sell a little bit the foul and, and uh, wouldn't get called for the flop. And, and, uh, and, and so that's, I feel like that's something that, that Musselman has reached out to these guys and, and ingrained in their heads. Like, okay, we're going to force, we're going to force the issue here and we're going to get, we're going to draw those fouls. And another thing he's done too, um, although there've been a ton of ridiculous foul calls this year, the SEC officiating, we could go on hell. We could make a whole podcast about how terrible SEC officiating is. The one thing I have to also brag on this team this year been their ability to play great perimeter defense and not draw fouls not even just perimeter like period across the board inside and out they have played really good defensive ball throughout most of this season not all these all the the whole year but most of the season they've been really good at playing defense and not drawing any contact fouls and uh that's that's something i think mike anderson struggled at here and i don't know if he just didn't I don't know what the deal was there. It seemed like any time they played real good aggressive defense, they get called for the fouls. Here it's not. It doesn't seem like that's been the case under Musselman. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about the rest of this tournament. I guess it was them and Georgia, the only two teams that had wins in the tournament. I guess they're they're co-champions, Kyle. Yay! We've we become used to that word, haven't we? <laughs> uh, just call us the co-Arkansas Razorbacks. They're the Cohogs. Um, hashtag Cohogs. I guess that's just what it is. But, um, I yeah. I, but I guess counting our blessings with all the bad news that we've gotten, mm. I guess at least we can celebrate the fact that the the final 
Razorback basketball game that we saw for this year was a win. It was a I, win. I, mean, I guess that's something you can hang your hat on if we're going to be positive about it. Yeah, it's hard to be positive at this point, though. <laughs> uh, and and like we said earlier, I don't know. Um, like we can't really talk much more about the tournament. It's I guess it's all but over here. Um, it's done. Yeah, it is done. So I, I'll say this. Um, I know you have a lot you want to say about Sills or, or, or about just overall these, these players and, and, and looking back on this season. I, I'm really – I think Musselman was definitely the guy for the job. and I, That, that kind of goes without saying there are fans out there, a good friend of mine. I can't tell when he's half BSing or if he's really being honest, but he doesn't – according to him, he doesn't think Musselman's a good coach, thinks he's overrated. Uh, I don't know how anybody could see that. Um, this team's – They've evolved under him. Uh, I know we used to complain about, well, why didn't he call timeouts? And then people were complaining that he called too many timeouts. And, you know, you can never make anybody happy, it seems like. Or or uh, you can't please everybody. But, you know, you look at Ethan Henderson, his, his improvement throughout this season, to me, is almost like evidence enough of just how – of just how much – has happened under Musselman. I mean, this is a guy, you know, highly recruited out of high school. We used to complain about him. Like, where's the production out of this kid? What is going on with Ethan Henderson? And then fans and people were talking about he needs a transfer. We got to make room for all these incoming, all these incoming transfers. And then as the season goes on, he's starting to get more and more quality minutes. He's not an MVP, but he went from not logging any time to getting, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and getting, you know, maybe two, three, four points, but then getting four, three, four blocks, getting three or four offensive rebounds, ending with five or six rebounds, maybe a steal. Um, his his biggest issue was foul trouble. He somehow logged 16 minutes and didn't draw a single foul. I, I mean, wow, that's a record for him this year. And uh, Desi Seals, who's, you know, it's it's just been – fantastic to watch these guys grow under Eric Musselman and it's sad that it sounds like this could like that's the end that's it and uh, that is it is it's for sure the end that's the that's the thing about this is bef- right before we as you mentioned the first time that we were recording this it was really just kind of looking like well maybe we'll get to see the NIT but this is the last time that we will see Jimmy Witt, Adrian Bailey in a Razorback uniform what do you, 100% what do you think this team looks like next year I mean I know we can't all, all the Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones stuff, it's speculation. Nobody knows if these guys are coming back. But if you wanted to remove those two, like, does that all of a sudden – I mean, we know that drastically changes the outlook of this team next year, but does it kind of lower the expectations for them next year if those two guys don't come back? Like, I'm talking tournament. Like, does it lower that expectation of making the NCAA tournament next year without those two? I think that there's still going to be some expectation because even though you're going to have a pretty young team, you've got a top five class coming in. And we've seen what Musselman can do in terms of at least getting – I think that this team was definitely, even to begin SEC play, started off pretty strong. But then when Isaiah Joe went down with the depleted roster that you have, just not a whole lot of guys off the bench really outside of Desi consistently – it was just really tough to, to win any of those games, and that's the reason why they went after the Alabama game. That's the that's why they went 0-5 before Joe came back, or one of the biggest reasons. Uh, Mason Jones just couldn't do it all. And Jimmy Witt wasn't the same player without Joe on the floor. And so I think them coming in to next year, 
even if let's just say you get Isaiah Joe or Mason Jones back. Now, with what we have going on right now and them not getting any more chances for the rest of this year to try to build their NBA draft stock, I think they both come back as it stands right now. As it stands right right now, I do think that they, they both come back. So, yeah, it will be a very strong chance. that They're going to have a lot of tur- tournament aspirations, and the expectations are going to be very high. Oh, so, my gosh. I, I think that I think they do they do come back. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, and the expectations are going to be through the roof. I think some fans are going to have us. I think some fans are probably going to be having us higher than maybe we should be. Like I'm talking like elite eight range, just because you've got those two guys coming back that were NBA prospects, at least in some regard. But I, I think really realistically coming in, just way too early predictions for sure. Make the round of 64, maybe maybe round of 32. Yeah, you get those two back. You get the seven. You you get seven foot three Connor Vanover. Um, obviously Silla's gone. Witt's gone. There might be a transfer. I think you'd mentioned in our our previous recording that had to be deleted. Like you mentioned, uh, the possibility of you thought maybe Harris might be uh, uh, might be out. Not not that we've heard that or anything, but that could be something that you see happen because there's a lot of guards coming in, and and uh, his production this year was uh, very disappointing to say the least. Of of the uh, of the guys that rotated in and out as starters, uh, and I could absolutely see that being the case with all this talent coming in, and then Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, Connor Vanover, maybe Ethan Henderson is is uh, still you know he'll be finding his way into that rotation somehow, and, and uh, just his ability to play inside and crash the boards is very important. Um, oh my goodness, Sills would be back. Oh my gosh, the expectation like I'm already building myself up. I I guess I'm going to have to be the Debbie Downer here, though. I, to me, it's just too good to be true for them both to come back. I, I really don't think, if I'm being honest, I don't think either one of them come back. Um, wow, you don't think either one comes back? No, I don't. Because, first off, and, and Josh Bernaccini brought up a really good point, and uh, we've talked about this on the pig trail before. At that age, with the kind of expectations that, that college fans have, what – what more can you really build on what you've done this year? Now, Isaiah Joe, if I'm going to have to say the most likely to come back would be Joe. But it wasn't all that long ago. NBC Sports, along with some other panels or other uh, uh, draft sites, still had Isaiah Joe as a first-round draft pick. Now, he's not. I don't think he goes in the first round. But even mid-second round money is legit. And you're talking about a 21-year-old kid having that kind of money f- put in their faces. Both of them had brushes with injuries this year. Isaiah Joe just came off of a surgery. Uh, I think they, they they weigh these things in their heads. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, and I, hell, I probably am. I'm, I'm usually wrong on these anyways, but I just feel like that, that both of them hit really high levels of play in their – you know, Isaiah Joe, it was last year, and it kind of went away a little bit this year. Mason Jones, it was this year for him – I don't know that they want to come back and test those waters again and then have it just blow up in their faces. How much better can Mason Jones top this year? Well, I guess you could argue he could be a SEC player of the year next year, but uh, a lot has to happen. He's going to have to – I mean, my God, he had eight 30-point games this year. I mean, has he hit his ceiling? And does he want to test the waters and actually having a bad year next year or, or not living up to those expectations next year and then falling in the draft? 
Um, Isaiah Joe, it's we know that how the NBA draft works is kind of similar to the to the ML, MLB draft, and that's they're going to watch film, but a lot of it is is it, it, you're drafting these kids on expectations and and the possibilities and what these kids can do with their size and their range and their you know just their their overall talent level what what could actually happen. That's why you see kids not play a whole lot and still get taken in the first round. Uh, baseball, it's similar. If someone comes off of a uh, Tommy Johnson uh, surgery, and they blow up this 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 previous year, and then they get drafted really high, or maybe they don't because they're a little skeptical of the surgery. There's a lot of things that go into it, and I think with Isaiah Joe coming off the of surgery, having that brush of of oh my gosh, that could have been a more serious injury. Maybe I need to go ahead and take that NBA route before I maybe get hurt more permanently. Um, that's something every kid's got to weigh. I understand that, but both of these guys are going to be, you know, they're going to have high expectations in the draft. I think they're both. Well, Isaiah Joe, it would not shock me for him to still be taken in the first round. Again, just simply based on expectations. Mason, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure, but I feel like if I'm rolling the dice or if I'm flipping the coin, I say they both go. And the other side of that too is because when when do the dominoes when? When was the last time that everything fell into place the way that it should? You know, it's just that hog gonna hog mentality. Maybe I don't know, but I hope they both come back. That would be so huge if they both did. Oh my gosh, that goes without saying. But uh, either way, they're like you said. You were talking about Musselman. They're gonna have one of the best, some of the best advice that you could get because of where Musselman. We've talked about multiple times the levels of basketball that he's coached and you know that he's going to give them the best advice and and couldn't really be getting it from a better person that's true. than what he has done that's true um I, I don't know that personally i do think isaiah joe needs to come back i and i and i do think if either one of them do the most likely would be joe i think um, Mason Jones has just he's caught a wave here and and man when you're on it don't hop off and I and maybe maybe Musselman's telling him look you do need another year maybe he comes back but I feel like Joe of the two because you know he he had really high expectations this year and he obviously fell short um, of those really high expectations he's like I said he still kind of looked at it as a possible first round draft pick but I don't know that I don't think that he gets taken in the first, and maybe he knows. You know what? If I come back another year, um, I can improve on my game and get that get that locked down. Maybe be a lottery pick next year. Who knows what happens? And who knows what? That's the other thing too is who's talking to these kids other than musclemen, like family members, friends. You know who's talking into their ear, and then obviously when they do test out for the NBA, um, how well do they do there? That obviously matters a ton your draft grade and everything. Some people think that's kind of why Rakeem Boyd switching to football for a second, why he came back. I saw that on Twitter. Someone said that he got a poor draft grade um, and decided to, uh, he wants to better himself. So maybe that's what happens with these two. Maybe they want to do better and they come back just for that. And and two, the other thing that I, I completely missed out on here with those expectations, maybe they come back just for those expectations. Oh my God, we're going to be good. If we both come back, we're going to do something you know, more more of a team mentality than an than an I thing with these two. So, oh gosh, that's something to think about too. Just with what we've been talking about, how this season ended, they didn't get a chance to to prove anything really outside uh, of the first round of the SEC tournament. That's so that's point. something else to think about. Is that's a good point. 
I, I do agree with you. I know that we we disagree on like who's gonna, like whether they're both coming back, but I will agree with you on that. Mason Jones would be the one to to go, and Isaiah Joe would be the one to stay, to, mainly because of the injury. But that's that's something else to think about too. Is there is there is a lot of talent coming back. There's a lot of talent coming in. Of course, you, you mentioned Van overcoming. It's it's going to be a, a lot to talk about in the next year, or I guess really next like nine months or so. Because yeah. it yeah, it sucks that it came to uh, to an end the way that it did. You can't say that enough. But either way, I, even if they don't come back, I, I still think with with what we have coming in next year, it's it's going to be a lot to be excited for. Yeah, you hope that it's not a. Uh... You hope it's not a situation where these kids come in and they're just overhyped, you know. But who knows? I mean, they're obviously. I think they're they're pretty, they're pretty damn good. Anybody who follows high school basketball, these you know, all they do is brag on all these commits. So I, I think they are sitting pretty. And uh, yeah, I mean, you've got you got Moses Moody, uh, Devontae Davis, Odivo, Jalen Williams, who's going to be your your true five. He's a true center. KK Robinson, another guard. I mean, the ta- I think the talent is really there. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to weigh, like, how good are they really? We've seen that time and time again where these guys come in. It's always something that, that, that could happen. Uh, you're rated really high, and then you come into to, to the college level, and you completely fall on your face, you know, and sometimes things just happen. But I, I really like – I mean, it's just a hell of a recruiting class. My goodness. According to ESPN, Moses Moody, his grade is 87. Devontae, Jalen, and KK are all at 82. Uh, last I checked, they were like top 10 in recruiting this year for this class. So uh, get these get the rest of these guys signed up because right now Devo's the only guy signed. We're waiting on Moody and Jalen and KK, and I feel very confident that they're going to sign. Uh, alongside being uh, committed and everything. Arkansas, if they do finish the year out, their uh, regular season conference record, 7-11, overall record, 20-12. of 12. Is, is that, to you, Kyle, how, how big of a bonus is that for them to get to at least the 20 wins? For, for, like, what does that do? That's the question. What does that do moving forward for for Arkansas Razorback basketball getting those 20 wins this year because they weren't expected to do that. It makes you feel really good about Musselman. I know we keep kind of going back to that, but again, I I really I'm so I'm awful about talking about previous coaching staffs whether it's football or basketball and I just as much as I respect and love Mike Anderson, I do not think that they would have made it even close to that far under him. I think that they would have probably at least maybe lost four, possibly five more games. Now that's coulda, shoulda. But I definitely believe that it's it's like if you can win with these guys, not and not to say that they were that these are scrubs. I mean Mason Jones is a great player. Joe's you can go down the list. Mm. But Musselman just did such a fantastic job of putting these guys I mean, how many lineups did they go with? Now a lot of it was because of the Isaiah Joe injury, but how many different lineups did he go with? And finally at the end of the season you got that one that we had talked about earlier with with Henderson and Joe and Witt and Jones and Bailey with Desi being the sixth man, and that was your best shot. And really, outside of that, you you just didn't have a whole lot of guys that were super productive out of out of those six. And so, 
I think that Musselman really knows he gets it. He gets where to put guys. And that's why I feel confident about this this recruiting class. Uh, you talked about how they can come in and they can not live up to the hype. I, I feel like a lot, pretty much all four of them will. And you, you think about previous recruiting classes that even John – well, not really John Pelfrey, but Stan Heath and even that Mike had that some just didn't pan out. I think that with – with Musselman, the way that he can put players in the position to succeed, and just with his knowledge at so many levels of the game, that they're in great they're in great position. I think that Hunter Urechek has has really done fantastic with every hire. Now we the jury's out. The jury's still be, to be decided with Sam Pittman, but I think with with what Hunter Urechek has brought in since he's been here you really can't help but be optimistic just from what we've seen with, with basketball, gymnastics, football, everything. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with that. Musselman was, was the guy. And, and like you said, we've talked about that a lot here. Uh, we're obviously pretty big fans of Musselman because he's, uh, I think he did more with less compared to last year. And that just speaks pretty loud volumes. And I'm with you on, on, on Mike Anderson. I, I just don't think you'd have the same, uh, the same outcome. I don't think they would have been – I'm not saying he would have gotten his first losing season, but I definitely don't think he would have uh, gotten to 20 this year. So, yeah, it sucks that it's over, but that's it. We're done with the, with basketball. It's over. 2020 season or the 2019-2020 season, done. And uh, all really that we all, all we could talk about. We do have uh, some some players to keep an eye on. Of course, you got to figure out how you're going to make room for him. But uh, Evan Cole at Georgia Tech, 6'10", has entered the transfer portal. Maybe he'll find his way through that Bobby Hopper transfer tunnel slash portal into Fayetteville. And then you've also got uh, Mateus Markison, who plays for uh, Loyola. I can't pronounce that at all. I've butchered that now two times in a row. Uh, Marymount, he's a seven foot three, 260-pounder. He averages close to about eight rebounds a game, 10 points. Um, pretty good player. Obviously, you get that size. It would be fantabulous. I made that word up. Fantabulous to get two. Could you imagine having two seven three players on your in your lineup? That w- and one and one of them can hit from three. One of them's got the deep ball. Oh my god. Uh, I don't know if he's any good or not. Like for real at this level, I have no idea. But I saw that. Uh, someone, I, well, I had a screenshot sent to me and said, "Look at this kid. Could he be a hog? He's in the transfer portal. Maybe we can get him to Fayetteville. Seven foot three, two hundred sixty-one pounds." Uh, and then there's a kid at UCA. I don't have his name. I shouldn't even bring it up if I don't have their name. But there, if you want to, go Google uh, UCA player transfer portal. And it'll, it'll pull up for you. Uh, let's switch to football really quick. Recruiting. There's again, there's not much, but Arkansas has offered a JUCO defensive tackle. Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is a 6'3", 310 kid out of uh, Jones County, J.C. Uh, his hometown is Ellisville, Mississippi. And uh, I guess he would – he would. I, I thought he was the 2021 class, but they're saying he would actually account for the uh, 2020 class. I don't know if that's a typo or not, but his current offers are uh, South Alabama, Southern Miss, Troy, Ole Miss. And now you get their Arkansas in the mix. So – I guess he counts towards the 2020 class. I'm not entirely clear on that uh, just yet. But anyways, that's a name that that, uh, that that Arkansas apparently has thrown an offer out to. So I guess he would be. I guess he would come in maybe uh, after uh, after spring semester. I guess I don't know. But uh, 
Yeah, that's really all there is on on uh, college football recruiting. Um, I had here a list when I was making my notes of teams that Arkansas, you know, in, the, in these rematch games, because, you know, we're talking about South Carolina and that being your next rematch game. And so I had these notes left over from my – actually, they're from my show last night, and I was going to read them here. But there's no point now because it's over with. But uh, I guess it's worth mentioning, though, Arkansas in their rematch games, bouncing back to basketball really quick on the year. And we'll probably end it on this unless you have anything to add, Kyle. But LSU, Arkansas split those games. They lost on the road 79-77. to And then Arkansas won at home. Should have won by more, but they won that one 99-90. The Mizzou game, the two games, they split those. 83-79, they lost the first one. Then they beat them in Fayetteville uh, 78-68. Tennessee, Arkansas split those two. You remember that? They go on the road. They get Spanked 82 to 61. Well, then they return the favor in Fayetteville 86 to 69 on the Volunteers. Mississippi State, yeah, the only rematch game they got swept in. They lost the first one 77 to 70. They lost the rematch 78 to 77. And then A&M, Arkansas won the first one at home, and then they obviously lost the last one because they're playing pretty good basketball. And I think A&M is going to be difficult to deal with next year. I really do. Buzz Williams, I'm with you. I I really wouldn't have had an issue with him getting coach of the year. The job that he did with that lineup, um, with somebody else's players was, was pretty, uh, was pretty fantastic. Kyle Texas A&M might be a problem soon. So he and, he and Musselman were both two fantastic additions. And I mean, Jerry Stackhouse, he didn't, he, he didn't do much this year. I think that Vandy only had like three SEC wins, but he was also a pretty decent addition too from a, a team that's just been in shambles. They at least were competitive in a lot of games. And yeah. of course, they also were missing their, their top player for most of the year. But I think that this, this new wave of SEC coaches that just finished their first season are, are really solid for the most part. I'll say this. Uh, when college basketball resumes, first thing I would do if uh, if I was the uh, GM of NCAA or of the NCAA, if I was the you know if I was the guy there, the president, whatever, I would uh, suspend LSU for like ever. Give them the death penalty. Get get kick Will Wade out to the damn curb. It is amazing to me that that guy still has his job. I I bring that up, but I I just cannot stand the fact that that team that guy gets caught red-handed, and he's still there. And they had a fantastic season. I cannot stand that. Needs to be needs to be out. It is. I mean, he was two seconds away from getting fired, and LSU did nothing. Did nothing. And so goes the world of college basketball. And then you saw that clip of the Kentucky player. Did you see that? He's he's got the money and he's he's pimping out the money in his ride. Like what the hell? What is the NCAA doing? John Calipari's paying a lot of money for an eleven and a half points a game right now. <laughs> That's a bad investment. Uh it's it's what are you gonna do? It's like we all know how corrupt college basketball is. Hell, the feds even know, and nothing's happening. Just uh, the world goes on. I, 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 it's just sad. It's unfortunate. I, I really wish they had a commissioner of the NCAA. At least that way, you could you could point the finger at somebody, like what they do with Roger Goodell in the NFL. Here, it's like it's like a bunch of guys in black masks behind a behind a like a like their their. Uh, they're building there in, 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 in the dungeon where they do all their work. We have no idea what they really do behind the scenes. 
Uh, nobody seems to take it. There's no accountability. You have these teams cheating their asses off, and the NCAA just doesn't care. It drives me nuts. They're just to me the NCAA is a bunch of villains. Uh, they're um, they're they're the bad guys. They let this stuff go on, and it's just crazy. And I know everyone says, "Well, everybody cheats." Okay, but here you have a clear example. Two examples. You got this Kentucky kid and Will Wade getting caught on the phone doing the stuff that he was doing, and uh, we just. The NCAA doesn't bat an eye. It's incredible. But that would that's what I would do, assuming we're not all in the walking dead, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, you know. Hopefully we're not all walking around as zombies, the undead, eating brains and stuff. Uh, Kyle, unless you have anything else to add, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Hawk Talk podcast. Is um, We've got a couple of questions that I was going to answer. Okay, but before yeah, we do, yeah. actually, Ty, I've got a question for you. Uh-oh. Is your honey to yeah, your honey-do list is a little too long to tackle? I know the wife's probably got you doing stuff around the house all the time. Is it is it long? Are you asking me if the list is too long? long to tackle? Is it a little, little too tough for you? Sometimes, yes, sometimes. Well, we have a solution. If you're tired of dealing with unreliable companies that overcharge you and string you along, Hyman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. Hyman Services can also help you with your repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping decks, patios, fencing, and so much more. You can call them today at 479-347-9336. I know that with a lot of stress going on right now that I could definitely use some of that because, hey, I, I'll be honest with you, I barely even know how to swing a hammer. So I, I don't know if you're in the same boat, but <laughs> I should have listened to my dad growing up a lot more than I did. Oh, that's funny. I Yeah, I my wife, I want to be real with you, she 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 does everything around the house as far as like the handyman, the handiwork stuff. But, hey, if she gets tired, maybe we can call those guys up, have them come up yep. to Springdale and uh, give us a hand. We um, – Yep. Hyman Services is is your crew to get the job done. So we'll get into the questions real quick. Let's see here. So I had one uh, from Will that I, I thought was a really good one and definitely yeah. fitting for the, the amount of basketball we talked today. And said, our, try to find the the best games that Isaiah that, or not Isaiah Joe that Adriel Bailey and Jimmy Witt played as Razorbacks. Of course, Jimmy Witt was his second stint as he spent his freshman year as a Razorback before going to SMU in between time and Fayetteville. And I want to start with Adriel Bailey because he's kind of an interesting one. He had a lot of hype coming in. I know that many people were saying that he was possibly going to be the next Michael Qualls, just a really super athlete. And there's a lot of games that you could point to. He really he had one 20-point game his entire career, but never really just had one of those like wow-type moments. But for me – I know that the the time that I really was like that he was the difference in the in this game was earlier this year on December twenty fourth against Valparaiso and the it's the Simmons Arena now right I know when I left it was uh I can't it's it was the Altel either way the the Verizon. arena that's uh down to that was so it was a, it was uh, Altel then Verizon and I believe it's now Simmons it's changed since I've been in Texas but that game was played in North Little Rock nonetheless. And he had five blocks in that game. And if many remember, I think we were actually down with like by 10 with eight or nine minutes to play. And some of his blocks down the stretch, which you remember that, that iconic image of him in the final like two minutes, one of those blocks really sealed the game. And he had a lot of them down the stretch. And so that Valparaiso game really sticks out to me of when he truly made a difference. And he's made a lot of difference that we don't see on paper, but for, for me personally, I know that that would be the game that sticks out just right off the bat to me. 
And for Jimmy Witt, I think that it goes without saying his best game as a hog was against LSU on senior night. Of course, we all remember he had a double-double, had 26, 26 points, 15 rebounds, five assists, two steals, shot 52% from the field, 53 basically for rounding up. I think that for sure was his best game. Now, he did also have a 26-point game against Alabama earlier in the season. Of course, that was the game where uh, where Isaiah Joe started but did not contribute much, didn't have a single point. But uh, Jimmy definitely, uh, you see more of that on paper than you did with Adrio this year. Just the contributions that he made and the player that he has become, really not just under Musselman, but what he came into at SMU. And so those are two guys that we're really going to miss, and it really sucks that their career has to come to an end the way that it does. And, you know, again, Ty, it's just one of those, it's extremely heartbreaking. We know that the reason why this is happening, you can go into the political stuff of either side, but really the bottom line is that, this is just, it's devastating uh, for sports fans because we're so passionate about it, but also, too, that the fact that some of these kids that are really trying to improve their draft stock that they've worked so hard for for so long, and it just gets ripped away from them. And yeah. it's just, it's extremely disappointing. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it is, and I can't reiterate that enough, it is about the safety of the athletes and the coaches and anybody involved. Uh, that's really what it boils down to, but it's just extremely unfortunate. It is. Both those guys, seniors, Bailey, and Witt, both of them, points-wise, the best year average uh, scoring per game throughout their entire careers. Bailey uh, averaged just south of two points his first year, four points his second year, five, almost six points his second year. This year he's at six. Jimmy Witt, uh, kind of the same story there. He goes from um, – to, to six points of course he had to set out and had his time at, at, at SMU but then he averaged uh, 10 and a half in 2017 2018 2018 2019 he averaged 12 and then 2019 2020 he averaged 14 uh, while uh, he, he did get more minutes and that obviously helps but you know he uh, that mid-range jump jump shot for Jimmy Witt was just so lethal and at times it was just automatic most of the time. He was pretty consistent at 15 feet. It was ridiculous. It's unfortunate for both those guys uh, that they had to end it that way. At least, at least they could have had the NITs, and then you'd feel a little bit better, assuming they don't make the uh, the NCAA tournament, which the odds were pretty slim there. But at least they could have played it out there and had maybe some more moments in a Razorback jersey. It's unfortunate that it had to end this way. But, hey, you know what? That's okay. A lot of more important things to worry about than just basketball. But – we wish these kids nothing but the best. These kids, I'm sorry, these young men, we wish them nothing but the best. Um, I think, think that's going to do it for the Hog Talk. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening. Please remember to give us some star power on iTunes. Um, we'd really appreciate it. So that's going to do it on behalf of everybody here at the Hog Talk podcast. We'll see you Monday, I, I believe the show's still going to go on. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Like we mentioned earlier, it might be might be Bachelor and we're out of that till May. Oh, <laughs> so we're just yeah, we're running. Yeah, the Bachelor ended the other night, so we're out of that till May. <laughs> we're so we're in some trouble here. We'll pump out content. You guys, just rest assured, we'll have something for you. I'm sure. So and don't forget to check out thehogtalk.net as well, where we uh, where these guys write really good articles, and they've got some stuff for you there. So feel free to check that out. Thanks again. We'll see you guys soon. Woo Pig Suey.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.